0: is Marco. I'm a a junior high pastor here, and I love that title. It's a cool title, but I do feel awkward when you call me pastor, so while I'm up here, you can just call me Marco. Or if I'm not up here, you can just call me Marco. But you know what title I'm super okay with you calling me? Master. That's right, everybody. This is my master belt that I earned about a month ago, and I bring it up here because I want to brag about myself. I love martial arts. I've been doing martial arts for about 20 years, uh, a little bit longer. I love it. I, I, I love it. I'm so passionate about martial arts. I love that there's this like tradition that's being passed down for like hundreds of years and I get to learn it. And, 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 and we always talk about as, as martial artists and especially as like a master now, there's this like leeway in martial arts, right? Martial and the art, right? There's about... of the martial, we like to make sure that we've got everything right. There's a correct way to throw a punch, a correct way to throw a kick. But there's about 20% where you get to kinda add your own flair. I love that, that's my favorite. I love that I get to take what I learned and apply it in my own life and what works best for me. I love that. But in all honesty, I'm talking about martial arts because I wanna brag. Because I'm proud of myself. And I think it's cool. And, and I think that's a natural response to cool stuff. We play that little game like, hey, did you hear? Like, did you hear Marco can break a board with his head? That's true, I can. Did you hear that the White Sox lost nine of their last 10 games? Yeah, so bad. Did you hear Spy Kids registration is at 540 kids? We've got 540 kids. Did you hear We Sports is back? Nintendo Switch Sports came out. Dude, I bought it yesterday. It's so good. It's totally back. Did you hear? Morris is one year old. Our Morris campus is one year old. We did it. That's insane. Right? Like that's the response to good news. I get good news and I want to share it. I, I, I have to tell somebody about it. And today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're moving through this series that we're calling Because He Lives Blank. Because He Lives Today, we're going to talk about how I share. We're going to talk about that good news that we've received, that news that is so good that there's no other response than to just go tell somebody, I've got to share this news with you. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you don't, no worries, I'll read it for you. Uh, We're going to be starting in verse one, and I want you to pay attention to the way that Paul talks about the gospel specifically. Especially in verse 3. I'll have you stand as we read God's word this morning. Let's begin. Starting in verse 1, chapter 15. Paul says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received... I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, As to one abnormally born. Verse 9 For I am the least of these apostles and do not deserve to be called an apostle, for I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, This is what we preach, and this is what you believed. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can have a seat. Verse 3, right away, Paul says, For I received, for what I received, I was given first, Paul says, for what I received, simple, I passed on. It was given to me, and I passed it on. And I want to make sure that we've got this settled. I want to make sure that we've got this figured out. There is one important thing, the most important thing, and the most important thing is that understanding that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Paul just gives it to you. Here you go. Here's the most important thing, the number one thing you need to know. There is nothing more important than this. I love that Paul gives it to me like this. Just tell me straight up, man. I don't want to beat around the bush. And I hear a passage like this and I'm like, yes. But I'm not reading Philippians right now. The book of Philippians, Paul's nice because the Philippians have all their stuff figured out. They're doing all the right things. But we're in 1 Corinthians this morning. And if you're familiar with the book of 1 Corinthians, you're going to see Paul just rip into these guys. I mean, the the, the Corinthian church was all over the place. They were so messed up, and there's a lot of dispute about what exactly what was going on in the church, but we know that there's all types of sexual immorality, arguing, debate, just terrible, mean, nasty church life. Maybe you're familiar with something like that. And, And it's just like this... Tough situation for the corinthian church and i'm sure paul is just like anguished man I, I was there everything was going well and now things aren't happening so paul tells us this as like a hey dummy don't forget i've been yelling at you this whole time don't forget this one fundamental truth that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures Then Paul approaches this topic, he explains this topic a little further with such great confidence. Paul just has all of this confidence. I know Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures because he raised from the dead. He came back. And if you don't believe me, go ask Cephas. Like if you're the intended audience for the book of Corinthians, you're alive when all of these other people are alive. And Paul is just so willing to share the gospel, to remind the Corinthian readers that this is the most important thing. And he has it with such confidence because he knows. If I share the gospel with these people and they ask questions, they can go ask the people who saw it. He's not worried about, well, what if they ask questions and we don't have the answers? Or or, or what if somebody doesn't? Go ask them. Go ask James, Jesus' brother. Would your brother lie about whether you came back from the dead? My brother wouldn't lie for me at all. Go ask his brother. Go ask me. Come, like Confidence. Paul teaches this, 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 this fundamental truth. And, 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 and you may be sitting there saying, well, yeah, of course Paul has confidence. He's Paul. But no, Paul's confidence does not stem from his ability to share the gospel in this moment. It doesn't stem from his ability to write well or to to come up with a good theological argument or have the correct answers when somebody comes back at him or to, to whatever. Paul's confidence in this passage is that God did the work. I'm confident because I know it's not me. I can have confidence in this message. I can believe in this message. I don't have to worry about sharing this message because it's not about me. Paul has confidence that God is gonna do the work. That God has already done the work. And I love that he approaches the gospel with this level of confidence. Church, this is kind of a softball level pitch as a pastor. Like I always worried that as a youth pastor, Pastor Errol was only gonna give me passages he didn't want to teach. (laughs) Like last time I taught on Judges chapter 10, that's a brutal passage. I encourage you to look it up. But today, Errol was like, here you go, bud. And here I am. Ding. Are you ready? Here's the home run. Don't forget the basics. I try to give my students a takeaway, a one sentence, because you inevitably ask as their parents, hey, how was your group? Did you learn anything? What did you learn about? I don't know. (laughs) So here you go. When your mom asks you, what did you learn? You can say, well, don't forget the basics. Paul wants to remind us of this truth. We cannot get caught up in our lives. Those Corinthian churchgoers were really caught up. I mean, I'm sure that they just get caught up in their bills and then in their lives and sickness and, and whatever's going on. I mean, I, I'm the same way. That, that, that rent bill comes every month. Like, I, like, it just keeps coming. I don't get any months off. Right? Like, bills keep coming. Kids have to go to baseball. They've got to be at dance. They've got to do this. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. And you're just like, man, I just want to get to Friday. And next thing we know, we've forgotten the basics We've forgotten the easy fundamental truth that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. But my thought is, that's ah, it's too easy, Errol. It's too easy. Something's going on here. Paul is writing this message, this message about the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, which is way at the end of his letter. Now, if you're writing a letter to a church that's really messing up and it's your job to yell at them, are you going to include the important stuff at the beginning? Yes. That's what I would do. So, my question today is: is like, well, why does Paul include this so late in his letter? It seems kind of weird that he would just like tack it on at the end. Hey, don't forget. Paul, you said it's the most important thing. Why does Paul tack it on so late in his letter? I think I know the reason. And I think you may know too. Simple. The church had forgotten, they needed to be reminded. In church, unfortunately, so do you. We get caught up in our lives. You're getting caught up in, in end of the school year business, prom just happened. You're caught up in what's happening this summer and vacations and spy kids and, and, and all that stuff, man. And life just piles up and piles up and piles up. And next thing we know, we have forgotten that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And maybe you're like, no, I never forget that truth. I always remember that truth. But my argument this morning, I'm I'm here to make an argument. My argument is this, that the natural response to the resurrection is first worship and then evangelism. We talked about worship last week. If you were here, Errol gave a great message about this natural response to the resurrection, this (gasps) moment. I love the way he said that. Just this moment, like, when we recognize the truth of the resurrection, when we see the work that God has done on our behalf, that that he took the punishment that I was deserving of, my natural response is, oh, my goodness. Really? He would really do that. He would really suffer that consequence for me. That's insane. This moment of... But my argument is, how on earth do you have that moment and not tell somebody about it? How do you have that moment? How do you experience the gift of of grace from God and not pass it on? My thoughts go to Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene is the first person to see Jesus after he's resurrected. Mary, I'm assuming, is going to the tomb every day. The Jewish people really get into their mourning, and she was mourning. Mary was a prostitute who had met Jesus when he was alive and followed him around, essentially becoming one of his disciples. And she was there the day he was crucified. She watched it happen. And she went to his tomb day after day after day and just wept at his tomb. I can't believe he's gone. And she goes there that Sunday morning and she gets there and the the stone is moved. Her thoughts immediately, well, somebody must have stolen his body. Some grave robbers must have come. He was an important person. Somebody must have. So she calls the boys. Peter, John, get over here. And for the record, John was faster. Okay, so they ran. (laughs) They ran to the tomb. John made it there first. He wants to make sure that you know that. John gets there first, but Peter goes into the tomb first, and he sees the clothes laying there, and he has the same thought. They stole him. And so the boys just take into action, and they run. James or, uh, John and, and, and Peter run, and they run to go solve this crime or, or whatever's taking place. And Mary's left there by herself in front of an empty tomb, weeping, just weeping. And then a man speaks to her, and she has that moment of worship. <gasps> Now, John chapter 20 isn't very clear about what visually takes place in that moment. But we know what Jesus says to Mary. He says, don't cling to me. In my mind, that makes me feel like that she just, just squeezes him. I can't believe it. I watched you die and like here you are. And Jesus says, let go of me because one day I'm going back. You know what Jesus says immediately after that? Go tell everyone. Go tell. And in that moment, the first Christian is born. Our jobs as Christians is to share the news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and Mary Magdalene gets to be the first one. If she can do it, so can you. My thoughts go to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, one of my favorite stories. Jesus is in the north part of Israel, and he wants to get down to the southern part of Israel. And right in the middle... There's a little land called Samaria, and the Jews and the Samaritans don't get along. They hate each other. We hate each other. There's a whole bunch of racism involved in that, and a lot of background. And Jesus, the way that he words it in John chapter four is, he says, "I I have to go through." He uses the word "have," like I must, I must go straight through the middle of Samaria. Why? Because I have to tell somebody. And he gets there and he sees a woman at a well in the middle of a day, which is so unusual because it's so hot. She's there because, like Mary Magdalene, she's got a, a rough past also. She's slept with men and, and married multiple men and has lived this life of promiscuity and now the town just, ah, she's one of those women. And so she's got to go out in the middle of the day to get her water because she doesn't want to walk with anybody else. And Jesus walks right up to her and he talks directly to her, a man speaking to a a Jewish man who's a rabbi speaking directly to a Samaritan woman. Three counts of, of wrongdoing. A man speaking to a woman, a rabbi speaking to a woman, and a Jew speaking to a Samaritan. Jesus says, I don't care. I have to share this message. And she says, I'm here for water. And Jesus says, I can give you living water. And this woman she just takes that moment to say, Ah! Oh, she knows. She's like, I know the Messiah is coming. I know he's on his way. And Jesus says, I'm not on my way. I'm here. And she says, it's really you. I, I can't believe it. It's actually him right in front of me, in front of me. And, and what's the woman's response? What does she do? She gets up. She goes back into her town, and she tells everyone. And you know what's insane? They listen. The town invites Jesus into the, into the town and he stays there two days and gets to share the gospel with them. All because of the ministry of this young woman. And that's because she took the natural response to good news. It makes me think of a cheeseburger. You know, you know cheeseburgers, right? All of my life, I have been searching for the cheeseburger. This is true, you can ask my parents. All of my life... Ever since I was a young boy, I have been on search for this is the cheeseburger. My friends growing up would be like, hey, dude, we went on vacation. We went to this place. I'd be like, all right, bro. I'd write it down. I'll go there. I'd go there, and it was never great. Right? And I'm just, all of my life, I'm chasing this cheeseburger. I want to find the perfect one. I love cheeseburgers, man. And it wasn't until I was in college that I found it. It was a Sunday after church. And me and the gang are riding back. Uh, we're riding on the L back uh, to Moody after church, and we, we're like, man, we're kind of hungry. We pull out our phones and check to see what Moody's dining room has. It was nasty, so we didn't want to eat it. And so we're like, dude, my roommate was like, dude, let's go to that burger place on Armitage. We'll just get off right here, stop over there, and grab some, some food. He's like, we walk past it all the time. We always say that we want to go. Let's just go. All right, bro, let's go. So we gather up all the money it would require for you to eat a meal on Armitage and we, we gather it over there and we bring it to this restaurant and we go and it's this, this little restaurant on Armitage it's called Butcher and the Burger and it's got this r- little red awning and we get in there and it's like real cool inside it's got a real millennial vibe and you know they've got this huge board massive massive board chalkboard just dozens of options for your cheeseburgers I mean, you can, you can change the type of bun. You can change the type of meat. They have bison burgers there. You can change the type of cheese, the different spices that they cook the burger with. I mean, you, you can put faux gras on that burger if you're done with that, or if you've got the money, I guess. And just like, just countless options for this cheeseburger. And I build the perfect like Western bacon, you know, barbecue sauce type burger. That's what I like. And I, I sit down and I take that first bite. <gasps> My search is over. Here it is, right in front of me. And I watch as my friends take their first bite. God is real. Here it is. The cheeseburger I have been searching for. That was the first time I ever went that Sunday. The second time I went was four hours later for dinner. And I brought five other friends with me. Because that is the natural response to good news. You take that moment and you just say, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. It's unbelievable. How do you have that moment and then not go share that with somebody else? I'm telling you about the cheeseburger right now. I've brought friends there. Uh, I've brought countless people to this restaurant. I really encourage you to go there, okay? If you love yourself, please go to that restaurant so good. And they're not even paying me. They don't, they, don't, they don't know me at all, all right? Great burger, right? But that is the natural response to good news. And many of you in this room have had that moment with Jesus. You've had that <gasps> moment. The, recon, the recognition of, man, I, I was so far gone and still he saved me. I love the way that Paul writes about that in 1 Corinthians. Don't you remember that I used to kill people like you? And I was worried that it, Christ's death wouldn't have and his resurrection wouldn't have an effect on my life. But Paul says clearly it had an effect. And church, it has an effect on your life too. Here's the actual takeaway I have for you today. My takeaway is I want you to recommend God. I want you tonight, when you're sitting at home, watching that Netflix or Hulu show that you've been watching, the one that you love so much, and then you're gonna go to work tomorrow, or you're gonna go to school tomorrow, or whatever it is you do on Mondays, and you're gonna recommend that show to your friend. You're gonna say, dude, have you seen Avatar The Last Airbender? (laughs) And your friend is gonna say, no. And your response is gonna be, you fool! (laughs) When I find out my friends haven't watched the show, I invite them over. Dude, come over. You've got to watch this thing. If I find out my friend hasn't been to Butcher and the Burger, I load him up in the car, I drive his butt up there. I want you to watch yourself recommend restaurants, TV shows, and food to your friends. And then I want you to recommend church, God, questioning that relationship the exact same way. Dude, did you hear? My church is awesome. They had this cool, hip, young pastor teach this weekend. It was great. <laughs> Dude, you've got to come with me next week. I want you to view it the exact same way. You've gotten your friends to try out restaurants. You've gotten your friends to go see movies. You've gotten your friends... The, who's to say that you can't recommend going to church or recommend a relationship with Jesus in the exact same way? I want you to think about that cheeseburger. I also want you to think about My belt. I want you to think about martial arts. Martial arts has an 80% rigid structure and a 20% flair. Evangelism is the same way, but flipped. I just need to know the 20%, that fundamental truth. And you know what that fundamental truth is? Christ died on the cross for our sins according to the scriptures. Boom, there you go. I just handed you that 20%. Now you get 80% of just you. I don't know the people you know. I don't go to work with them. I don't have the relationship that you have with them. You are specifically placed in the places that you are, so that way you can do this. Almost like somebody designed it to be that way. And church, if this isn't a good starting place for you, if you're like, man, that's too vague for me, then I've got an even better starting point for you. I want you to start with yourself. Because right now I'm talking about evangelism, and some of you are shaking in your boots. Man, I have no problem recommending a cheeseburger, but recommending somebody come to church—that's that's a whole different ball game. What if I what if I say the wrong thing? What if I what you know? What if I just what if I give them a bad idea of what Christians are? Well, what about my past, man? What, they know that I used to be a whatever, or you know, whatever, blah blah blah, right? They they know all that stuff. How am I supposed to be the person? You got to start teaching the gospel to yourself. I want you to remind yourself of 1 Corinthians 15. Paul didn't let his past hold him back. And there's no reason it should be holding you back either. Christ's gift, the gift of grace, is for all. Paul said, i worked harder than all the other guys. I put in the work. I went to Bible college. I learned all the right answers. I know this book better than anybody else. And Paul says... My favorite, One of my favorite things Paul ever says, yet not I. It wasn't me. It's not me. Regardless of how much work I've put into it, it's just God through me. And church, you have access to the exact same relationship. He wants to use you in the exact same way. So watch yourself recommend that restaurant to your friend. When you go to Butcher and a Burger this week, and you experience that moment with that cheeseburger, and you come back and you say, dude, Marco was right. Watch the way that you do that. Watch the words that you use, the way that you start that conversation, and then use the same methodology. That's your methodology. Use you to just, hey, come try out my church, man. Come try out Spy Kids. Come try out, like you just gotta see this, it's insanity. And church, don't forget to to preach the gospel to yourselves as well. Don't let Satan send you those thoughts where I'm I'm not good enough, I'm not capable, I'm gonna drop the ball. It's just not true. God wants to use you in this way. He's designed it this way. So, let's pray. God, we're amazed with the actions that you completed 2,000 years ago. It's insane to think that your death and resurrection has effect on my life, yet here we are. God, it's incredible to see the work that you've done, and, and God, we're amazed. We're just in awe that you would do that for us. But God, something gets lost right there. The next step is we're supposed to go out and evangelize. We're supposed to go out and tell people, but we get caught up we get caught up in the busyness of life or our own intrusive thoughts and and we hold ourselves back god remind us of this truth that it's the natural response it's it's just normal for us to want to talk about this i pray for the people in this room as they go to work tomorrow as they go to school or whatever and they recommend you to them i pray that you would just give them peace Make that conversation easy, like they're recommending that TV show or that book or or whatever. And God, we know that if we take that step, you'll take us all the way. We pray all these things in your name, Father. Amen. Church, go this week and speak the name of Jesus. Go in peace.